I'm going to be preaching this morning on identification, and, and I know that Pastor Gabriel's been preaching about anchors and how we need to be anchored down. And one of the things that I feel like, at least in my life, is I need to be anchored down into my identification, who I am. And one of the things I want at least to throw out to you guys and, and uh, that may help you a little bit is at least for our young people, our students, I would love for you guys to just have a little homework. And that homework might be for some of us adults the same. And that is to go through the letters, go through the epistles, start in Romans and work your way through and mark or read every time there's a place that says in him, in whom, are in Christ, because that's going to identify who you are. The songs we sang this morning were about God giving us our identity. We are who he says that we are. He's our champion, but we're in him. And what I want to deal with today is, turn me down just a little bit. I think I hear myself too loud, and I get loud already. One of the things I want us to deal with today is this idea of salvation, how we're saved and what salvation means. And I know a lot of us in church, we say, well, I'm born again, so I get it. And I want to deal today with the idea for all of us of us being in Christ, the prepositional mentality. The, the, the Bible's written in such a structure that if you read Paul's writings and we read over it, our salvation is based on prepositions. Now, you read sentences for the subject and the verb and for the object, and, and you want to get the main course of it. But if you read Paul's writing, salvation and that experience and who you are is made up in the prepositions in and for and by and through. And if you don't get those, you're going to miss this salvation walk you're in. So I want to deal with that today. For an example, and I just, I mean, I've got some stuff. I'm old school, and I mean so old school that... These notebooks I have right here, my wife and I figure they're about 40 years old. They go back probably late 70s, early 80s. And what it is, is this is before. Now, I heard Gabriel talking to Anna earlier about what our kids don't know. How many of y'all do remember four phones with cords on them? How many of y'all remember the phones that you had to dial and not push a button? How many of you all remember black and white TV only? How many of y'all remember only three stations on the TV? I'm just saying, there's a generation like, like some of your kids what they know and what they have and what they don't know that we had is really like light years apart. So what I've got, what I've got here is a compilation. What it is, it's scriptures that are necessary in our walk with God. But then back in the day, now like today, man, I can get on an iPad or get on my phone and I can go to version and I can just collect all kinds of of versions of the Bible, translations, if you would, or paraphrases. And back in the day, we didn't have that. So what I've got is pages, notebooks, full of scripture that's in several different translations so we could comprehend, just know what God's saying. 
And I think today in the world that we're living in, we need to really understand our salvation experience. I think we're, I think we're in a position right now, and some of you guys, y'all been saved 5, 10, 15 years, and I get that, and some of us in that category that are living right there still don't understand the power of salvation and who you are in Christ Jesus and what God has done for you. For an example, if you begin to read your word and you just look at the prepositions, and, and I'm going to say, if you read prepositions, you're going to find out who your identity is. And I did type a few of these down just to give you some identities. Here's some identification that the Bible says you are. The Bible says you're crucified with Christ. The Bible says you're set free from the law of sin. How many of y'all feel set free from sin? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all feel real set free from sin, and some of you feel like you can't get rid of it. Because you're trying to do something that God's already done. Okay, stay with me. Here's what the Bible says. Here's your identity. I'm set free from the law of sin. I'm redeemed and forgiven by the grace of God. Say, I am redeemed. Here's another. Romans 8, 1 says, I'm no longer under condemnation by law. Uh, the, the Bible says in Romans 15, I am accepted by Christ. The Bible says in Romans 3, 24, I'm fully justified. I don't know about the rest of y'all. There are days when if I let my mind talk to me, I don't feel fully justified. I don't feel like God fully loves me because of things in my life. I don't know how you deal with this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I am a new creation in Christ. That, that's who I am. That's not who I feel like. It's not about what you feel like. It's about who God says you are. It's your identification. Say identification. Okay, here's another. The Bible says you are the light of the world. The Bible says you are a child of God. The Bible says you're joined to the Lord in one spirit with him. But see, right now you're struggling with that. You're saying, I'm not joined to him. He's like up in heaven. I'm like right here, and I'm not one spirit with him. But the word of God makes it clear that if you are in Christ, you are one spirit with him. Pastor Mike, you know Jesus dwells in my heart, but I'm still jacked up. Let me tell you something. Jesus dwells in your spirit, man. He dwells in your spirit, man. Your spirit, man's born again, but it ain't a baby. I see you're not amen now. What you're dealing with in salvation, when you get saved, you're not a baby in Christ. You're a baby in your brain, in your mind, will, and your emotion. Your spirit, man, is developed because Christ indwells your spirit, man. And your spirit always fights the flesh side of you. So when you have desires of the world, desires of sin, that's not your spirit being a baby and not knowing better. That's your mind, will, and emotions trying to take dominance over your spirit. Is this making sense to you? Adam? Just stay with me. So if I read the book of Ephesians, just chapter 1, and I wanted to pull out the in Christ thought, the Bible says it is that I have blessings from God our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed me in Christ. I was blessed in Christ. Now, stay with the thought on this, please. The preposition in Christ is where my blessing is. Amen? And the Bible says this. It says that he's picked me for his own. I'm chosen. How am I chosen? In Christ. I want to back up and say something to you that's going to overwhelm you. But God loves you in Christ Jesus. You're in the 21st century, but you were crucified with Christ in 29 AD. I see you're not amen now. But I just got saved last week. Well, when you said, I want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, I want to be born again. When you said that, God has already seen you. Say eternity. 
God lives in eternity. He doesn't live in 2021. He lives in eternity. So in 2021, when we say, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ, and I ask him to forgive me my sins, I accept him as my Savior, I accept his death, burial, and resurrection as payment for my salvation, God says, that's already been done. Okay. If it's already done, then I don't have to get saved. No, no. Legally, it's done. Legally, Jesus won't die again, y'all. Legally, it's done. Literally is when I receive it. Legally, it's done. Here's what I love about this. I don't understand it clearly, but here's what I love about salvation. When I said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Father, forgive me of my sins. I accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. At that moment, God sees me crucified with Christ in 29 AD. Say my substitute. Jesus was your substitute on the cross. He went there instead of you, but baby, you went in him. Okay. The Bible says I was crucified in Christ. Amen. I was buried in Christ, with Christ. I was resurrected with Christ. We sang about it this morning. I'm sitting in heavenly places in Christ. Now you're going to say, no, I'm sitting down here in, in Trustville. I am not in heaven. But in the word of God and in God's eye view of you, you are in heavenly places in Christ. So right now, I don't live for the world. I live for God. My flesh would love to sin, but my spirit man has to be the dominant one and says, I'm not going to do this. But how do I know the difference? Well, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the soul and the spirit of man are only dividable or divisible by the word of God. It's the two-edged sword that divides. So some of us, when we say, I don't know if this is God or me, then go to the word of God and find out what he said. Amen, y'all? You're still tracking me a little bit. So if I went through in Christ, I, I just looked through and I, I found uh, maybe 13, 14 places in Ephesians 1 where the Bible says I'm in Christ. It says in him, there's your, there's your, your preposition, in him we have redemption. Where did I get my redemption? In Christ. Amen? How many believe Christ went to the cross? How many believe he was your, he was your sacrifice for your sin? He was sacrificed for your sin, right, y'all? Okay, but we were in him. I don't know if you remember anything about the Old Testament sacrifice. But in the Old Testament sacrifice, when the priest put his hands on the sacrifice, he put the sins of the whole nation on that particular sacrifice. And that sacrifice now is identified with the people. When that sacrifice died, the sins of the people that were put on it died totally. So I want you to stay with me. We're going to read. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and we're going to hit this one running. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Say everything is new. I'm, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but as a minister, I get kind of sick of people telling me that I still go and do the same old things I used to do. I just can't get out of that. That's not what the Bible says you are. Somebody told you some, at some point in your life that you will continue in sin and gradually you'll come out of it. The Bible says when you were born again, you were made a new creation. The word creation there means a new species. One that has not lived before. So I don't know what you think happened to you when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. But you became a new creation. 
something that hasn't lived before. Look at this in Galatians 2.20. This is going to be in the Amplified Version. I have been... Now, no, watch it again. Look for prepositions. I've been crucified where? With Christ. With Christ. That is, in Him, I've shared His crucifixion. Have y'all ever read that before? That you shared His crucifixion? That you were there when He was crucified, but you weren't watching, you were participating. See, we read salvation and being born again, and we make it so religiously trite that nothing changes about us. Our language stays the same, our old haunts stay the same, our habits stay the same, nothing changes because they told us at church, we don't have to change, we just say, Jesus, come into my heart. When you say that and you mean that, there's a heart change that takes place. And it's in the prepositions. Listen to it, watch it. I've been crucified with, there's your preposition, Christ. That is in, preposition, Him. I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Another preposition. Can you see what Paul's doing? He's putting salvation into the idea of it's a reality and not just a good idea. Let's look a little bit further. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. By adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Another preposition. His death was for me. I was crucified with him. Amen? Are you seeing what happens here? So here's, here's Laubach's translation. Christ took me to the cross with him and I died there with him. I want to be born again. I want you to be born again. And when you get born again, you go to the cross because that's where your representative was. That's 2,000 years ago, but it happens again. He doesn't get crucified again, but we identify with him. Say identify. Because your identity means everything to us. Look in Noli's translation says this, I've been crucified with Christ. Now it is not my old self, but Christ himself who lives in me. Let's stop and just think a minute. My old self is not living the life Christ is. Then why am I talking like I'm talking, doing what I'm doing, and going where I'm going? Not a lot of amens today. See, because this is going to put a pinch on our lifestyle. Because if we're born again, there's a change. If you're in Christ, then Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Okay, stay with me on this. So we use prepositions and, and Paul uses prepositions as the key to the gospel of redemption. Arthur Way says this, Arthur S. Way said this, the English language wasn't constructed for the preposition to carry so much weight as the gospel calls upon it to carry. So the preposition breaks down under the weight and goes almost unnoticed. And I will say that this morning, that we read the New Testament and we read Paul's writings especially, and we read over the prepositions that put us in Christ and Christ for us and we're dead in Him and we're raised in Him and we're in heavenly places. We read over that like it can't happen and we're just looking for the main source of the Scripture and Paul is saying the gospel of redemption is in the prepositions. Arthur Way says the English language won't let that happen because it's too much weight. So we don't think it's that important when we read. You diagram sentences and prepositional phrases. Y'all still do that, I guess, right? No? Oh. When you diagram sentences back in the day, prepositional phrases were under the bottom. 
So your attention was drawn to what are the, the top two or three things on, on your scale of the subject, the verb, and the object. So you're looking at those. You're not looking for adverbal phrases. You're not looking for prepositional phrases under it. So we read by that, and we think those aren't the important things. And Paul makes his whole case for your redemption on who we are in Christ. 160 times in the letters, in the epistles, in Christ, in Him, or in whom is mentioned. 35 of those are desperately important for us to know if we're going to walk in Christ Jesus. See, I don't know what we've been getting when we come to church and what we're listening when we hear the pastor preach, but I'm trying to find out how can that be a part of my relationship? How can I identify with what he's saying for my life? So we need to start listening to what's being said to us. The Pauline understanding, listen to this, the Pauline understanding of the gospel of redemption is based on prepositions, mainly in, for, with, by, and through. We're saved by the blood of Christ. We're saved through. We're saved in Him, by Him, for Him, with Him. So prepositions allow us to understand our identification with in Christ, His crucifixion, His death, His burial, His quickening, His, His raising up, and His ascension to heaven. All of these have tied us in by prepositions. In other words, I need to understand what happened at the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the quickening, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus because I was with him in those. Okay, see, we get to this place that begins to be kind of ethereal and spooky for you saying, how was I there, but I'm here. Prepositionally. How many of y'all have a representative in Congress? All y'all. Whether you like them or not. Listen to me. When they speak, guess who they're speaking for? Huh? Oh, they're speaking for you and me. They're our representative. When they go, they are Alabama. They are us. Say representative. Jesus was your representative. He went for us. He did for us. He spoke for us. I don't know if y'all are getting this yet or not, but we send a representative to Congress so they can go speak for us and be for us, and we don't get it when it happens with us, with Jesus. He did these things for us. So let's get some definitions on identification. I want to drop an acre on identification. So let me read this to you. We use a related word for identification, and it's identical. How many ever used the word identical? We use it with twins, right? So what is an identical twin? What are they? They look alike. So if they're identical twins, then they look alike. They're the same. They're, they're alike. Webster's Collegiate Dictionary says this, and listen to this. It says to identify means, now listen, to identify means to make identical. You need to identify yourself with Christ because you're in Him. Right? I mean, according to Scripture, we read that. Listen to this. To identify means to make identical, to consider or treat as the same. What? If Carrie is a born-again believer, there's a way that I've got to respect and treat him because Christ is in him. If he's a sinner, I've got to treat him the way Christ would treat him, with love and compassion. Why? Because I'm identified in Christ. Okay, identify means to be the same as. 
You're mad now. I'm not trying to stretch you off into something weird. I'm just telling you that you better find your identity. You better find out where you are in Christ Jesus. You need to start reading your New Testament. You need to start making a list of the prepositional phrases of in Christ, in Him, in whom, by Him, for Him, through Him. You need to find those you need to underline them and then find out what they were talking about to see who you are. That's your identification. So it makes identical. It means to consider or treat the same. It means to show the same as something or someone assumed, described, or claimed. In other words, whatever they say, we say they are, then that's their identity. The definition for identify, or identity means, identify means to, to see them. Identity means the condition are the fact of being the same in all qualities under consideration. Sameness, oneness, and the condition of being the same as something or someone assumed are described or called. In other words, if I am in Christ, I identify with Him. So what He's called and what He is, is what I am. If you go overseas, generally you have to have one of these. A passport. When I've gone overseas and we've gone on different times, different places, and this is our last passport that we had, and I have this passport. When I get to a, to a port and we get ready to go through their screening process and arriving there, and I give the clerk this, what he does is looks at my, what is this called? My identification, right? What this says is who I am. Okay. Y'all didn't get this? Try this side. When, when I have to go into another country, and they say, who are you? And I say, I'm Mike Wright. And they'll say, do you have any identification? And I say, yes, I do. And I give them this passport. This becomes my identification. Does this make sense to you? So I am what that says I am. I'm that guy. I'm that old. I was born on that date. I'm from that country. I'm him. We need to wake up and understand that we are identified in Christ Jesus. We need to pick up the word of God. We need to hold it out as my identification and say what that says about me is who I am. And if I'm not living the way this says that I am, then I might need to change. When my cousin goes to church and they can... Whatever. I, I don't care where your cousin goes. You don't identify with your cousin. I'm going to tell you something else. Your identification is not with gateway. Your identification is salvation with the word of God. That's your identification. Because we may have some different philosophical ideas. But baby, when it comes down to living for Jesus, your idea is not what I tell you it is. It's what he says it is. He says that you're more than a conqueror, then you better start being more than a conqueror. If he says you are the righteousness of God in Christ, then you need to start acting like you're righteous. Amen, y'all? If the Bible says the greater one indwells me, then I need to start walking with the greater one indwelling me and not what somebody said, but what he said about me. My identification is where I drop my anchor. If you were to have gone back, even to, well, if you, if you went back to the, to the idea of Jesus being crucified, for an example, and you were to ask the, the, the Jews, what just happened? The Jew would tell you, well, 
this heretic, blasphemer, got crucified. If you ask a Roman soldier, he would have said, an anarchist, a rebel, got crucified. If you were to ask the disciples, if you ask the disciples, what, what happened here? They would tell you, well, Jesus got crucified. He was a sacrifice, and he got crucified. Well, let me, let me stop here and say something. That was the picture that the Gospels had. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they had a picture. They had a picture of Jesus. They had a picture of salvation. They had a picture of redemption. When Paul writes, he writes from revelation knowledge, and he gives you an x-ray. How many of y'all send pictures of yourselves out at Christmas? Come on. Now, right, you send your family pictures out. Look who I am. I, I, I like to watch these idiots on social media take pictures of themselves, like I do from time to time. But they take pictures of themselves, you know, pursing their lips or whatever, you know, just, and I'm thinking, how ridiculous is this? So it's a picture. Paul writes the same story. He writes the same crucifixion, but he writes it from an x-ray, from an MRI, instead of a photograph. Oh, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. How many of y'all have ever been to the doctor? My son was talking this morning about getting his shoulder looked at, and they, they were mashing around and moving on his shoulder. The therapist was. And, and the therapist asked you for what? Wish they had what? An MRI. Well, why would they want an MRI when he's sitting right there and they can look at his arm? Why do they want an MRI? Come on, y'all smarter than that. They want to look inside. They want to get inside and see what's going on. You don't send an x-ray at Christmas. That'd be cute, but you don't, you don't do that. At Christmas, you send a photograph because it's appropriate for the time. But if you've got something going on, y'all, and it's down inside of you, and there's a physical issue, you're going to want that MRI. You're going to want that x-ray. You're going to want to see something other than your face in the mirror. You're wanting to see something down inside of you. This is what Paul began to write when he said you're in Christ. It's by Christ. It's through Christ that you're redeemed, that you're in heavenly places, that you're born again, that you're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. Why? Because I'm in Christ. It's the x-ray. Can you see the difference? The gospels are great and they're there for purpose and reason. They are the word of God. But they are a photograph. Paul comes back. Same photograph. But he gives you an x-ray. And says this is what's working inside. This is why he was on the cross. You know why Jesus was on the cross? Because Carrie needed to get crucified. Because Andy needed to get crucified. So Andy was in Christ when he was crucified. And one day Andy said, Jesus, forgive me my sins and come into my life. And he did. And you're born again. And at that moment, God has already seen. You see, we ask, we ask what, what, what the Jews saw, and we ask what the Roman soldiers saw, and we ask what the disciples saw. But what did God see on the cross? What did God see on the cross, y'all? Tell me just a minute. Did he just see his son? Did he just see his son? No, no, no. I'm crucified where? In Christ. So let me ask you a question. Who did God see on the cross? Who did God see on the cross? Oh, he saw the photograph. He saw Jesus, but he also saw the x-ray. He saw every one of us that Jesus died for. My Bible says Jesus died for all men. He died for all of us. We may not all go to heaven because we don't repent, because we don't accept the legal thing that's been done, so it doesn't become literal for us, but it has been done, baby. Jesus died for everyone. 
He didn't die for two or three or one or two. He died for everybody. He died for the good, the bad, the ugly, the short, the fat, the skinny, the muscular, the weak. He died for everybody, and we all died in Him. Boy, it's making me think. Good? Thinking's good. So the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'm a new creation. Say a new kind. Say new quality. Say I'm unheard of. That's what creation is. Can, can you see now why I get excited about being born again? Because it absolutely changes everything about us. Amen? 11 o'clock, we're running. But we're not closing yet. I could do like Pastor Gabriel and say I'm closing and preach for another 10 minutes, but I'm not. So to be born again, let me give you another thought on born again. To be born again, if I'm born again, I've got to identify the born again experience. If you're born again, one way of saying it is I'm in Christ or I'm in Christed, or you could say I'm refathered. <laughs> when you, I love that. When you're born again, you're refathered. In other words, you won't find yourself on Ancestry.com anymore. I mean, you're, when you were born again, I mean, you got a natural father. That's how you showed up on the seat this morning. But you were born again, you were refathered. I have a heavenly father. I've got an eternal father. I am a new creation. I have been refathered. Amen? Yeah, I can find Mike right on Ancestry.com, but I can't find the born again one because he's refathered from heaven. Does that make sense to anybody yet? I'm just trying to, I know this is simple and you're saying, well, it's just so simple. It's about salvation. It is. It's so simple. We ought to all have this. So when God sees us, he sees us in Christ. Colossians 2, 13, or 12 and 13. Now this is the letters to the street Christians. How many have ever heard of that translation? Letters to the street Christians. No. You can buy a brand new copy of this paperback for $1,002. 127 pages of the epistles of Paul. Written by two ministers who were in Campus Crusade, back when it was Campus Crusade, it's something else now, I think. But this is back in the end of the 60s and early 70s, like 68, 71. And so Jack Sparks is one of the authors of this book. And what he did is he took the, the New Testament, especially the epistles, and he put them in street language. Okay, you don't care. I love it. Because he talks like you're there in 1969. Some of us relate in there. I know, right? So here, here it is. Listen to this. This is the letters to the street Christians. Colossians 2, 12 and 13. Jesus sets you free by identifying you with himself. Come on, y'all. When Jesus died, he was identifying himself with you, Cam. He said, I'm dying and Cam's not even born yet. But there's coming a day when he's going to be born. He's going to be named by his mom and daddy, but God's already got a name for him. The Bible says a new name will be written in heaven. They'll call him Cam until it happens. But one day Cam said, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me my sin. And when that happened, Jesus says that this has already happened because I identified his salvation, death, burial, and resurrection in me. 2,000 years ago, and when he saw it and believed it, now it's happened. So, Cam, I'm telling you something. The old Cam was dead, and a new Cam is living, but he's living in Christ Jesus. You were identified by Christ. 
I hope this helps y'all. Jesus knows who you are, baby. Look at me. He died for you. He died for you. He died for you. You died with him. According to scripture, I don't understand it. It's an x-ray. You ain't a doctor. There's some of this I have to take by faith because I don't understand how this happens, but I know the Bible says I was in Christ. And right now I'm in Christ in heavenly places. There's a place of victory and overcoming. And we sang about it, and now we're preaching about it. So listen to this. Jesus set you free by identifying with you, with himself, in his death, burial, and resurrection. Your rotten life deserved death. So in himself, Jesus took you to the cross, dumped all of your rottenness on himself, and gave you a new life. When Jesus died on the cross, I'm going to pick on Cam. Cam's the only one that if I see him at the gym, I don't ask him what his strategy is. I'm not, I'll tell the band when it comes up, not now. Now, I went in the other day and I, 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 was, I said, what was the strategy? So right away, Joy Walker says, my strategy, our strategy, because we, we were working three as partners. I don't know where Andrew comes up with these ridiculous exercises, but, but it, was, it, was death by, it was death by echo bike. And there were three of us had to ride, and we, we worked together in teams of three on these exercises. So I'm going in and saying, what's the strategy here? How do we beat the system? Joy says, we went for, for 2.5 miles, or, or 0.25 miles, quarter mile. We, we went a quarter mile apiece, and then we changed partners off of that dreaded bike. So I went to, I, I thought, that's good. That's a good strategy. So then I went to Troy Bethune. I said, Troy, I said, dude, what was our strategy today? He said, we went 15 seconds each. I said, well, how much mileage did that give you? Because we had to do like, I don't know, six miles or more. And, and he said, it was a time thing, so we, our goal was to do better than six miles. He said, well, what we did is we did 15 seconds, and it equaled to be about a quarter of a mile. So I had a pretty good strategy. So Friday I go into the gym. They had this exercise, and it was a lot of wall balls, like, I don't know, 80 wall balls, something just stupid, stupid. And so these wall balls, we had to do them, and we had to go do some, some kettlebell cleans, then we had to jump up on a box. Just totally ridiculous. So when I get to the gym, I'm looking for someone to ask what their strategy was. I mean, did you do unbroken wall balls? How did, how did you do what you did? I saw Cam, first guy I saw. He's laying on his back, sweating, breathing, can't talk. I go try to fist bump him. He can't even lift his arm up. He's laying like that. I ain't asking him what his strategy was. <laughs> I'm just saying, obviously, he had the wrong strategy. Now, he ended up, he ended up at the top of the list of all of the athletes as far as the time that he did it in. But I'm just thinking death by exercise is not what I'm going for here. So I need a better strategy. So no offense. So, so Jesus took you to the cross, dumped all of your rottenness on himself, and gave you a new life. So God sees us in Christ Jesus. Everything God did in Christ, he did for you and for me. He did it for you and for me. He set the credit to your account. The death of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection is set to your account. So when Cam, since I'm picking on him, says, Jesus, come into my heart, and Jesus says, you were crucified back here, and you're getting the credit for the death back here, even though I did it for you. So when you got born again, y'all, you got credit for something you didn't do. 
Everything Jesus did for you, you get the credit for. Does this make sense to anybody yet? It's, it's bigger than you can think, but I'm going to tell you something. It might make you suck it up a little bit and start walking for Jesus. It might, might, might make you get off of religion and get in to find out what is my strategy here. How, how can I do this? How can I make this work? Listen to this. In Christ, in Him, in whom, is in your Bibles 160 times, you need to read your Bible. Amen? Everything Jesus did, He did as our substitute. He did it on our behalf. He died for us, made a curse for us. He, he was resurrected for us. Made to be sin for us. He did everything as our representative. Does that make sense to you? So listen to this. Listen to this. Colossians 3.10 says this. And have put on the new man. This is that new man. We've put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of who? Of the image of Christ who created him. Little h. Notice this. That we were, we were being renewed in the knowledge of the image of him who created him. In other words, the more I know about Christ, the more I can understand the changes in my life. What He is and what He does is what is done for me. Okay, let me ask you, because the Bible says we put Him on. So I'm born again. Jesus is in my spirit man. I'm a new spirit man, but I've got to put Him on every day. I've got to put on Christ. I've got to make up my mind that my spirit man, who was in charge before Adam fell, is now in third place. And my mind, will, and emotions in my body is pushing my spirit man around. But my spirit man has been rejuvenated and brought alive. And now he should be in the primary place. i got to quit letting my mind, will, and emotions and my desires of my body dictate what my spirit does. My spirit man needs to dictate what my body does. Amen, y'all? I'm just saying. We've got we've to start understanding what is in us and what we're about. So the Bible says that we were made... It, we, were, we were made as this new image. We put on a new man, renewed in the knowledge according to, to him who created him. So we put him on. How many ever seen the, the Hollywood runways? Uh, maybe the, I don't know, the, uh, maybe a Grammys Award or the Oscar Awards. I've seen the runways, right? When people are walking on the runways and these women and guys all dressed up. And, and do you remember what the people ask them when they're, when they're walking on the runway? They'll say, who you wearing? Who you wearing? What are they talking about when they say that, y'all? Huh? The designer. Who, who made your clothes? Who, who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Who are you clothing yourself with? There is a designer that made something for us, and we clothe ourselves in that. How many of y'all remember the Raptor Ford, F-150 Raptor? How many does not know what a Raptor is? Okay. You need to go look it up. Don't do it now, but do it later. So look up Raptor. It came out in about 2009, and they put it on production in 2010. And it was the, it is their off-road vehicle. It now has a 450 horse V6. I don't believe that. But that's what they say is in it now. It used to have a 6.2 big block back in the day. They put it out on the desert. They ran tests on that thing. It's a prototype. They got the prototype. They built it. They put the motor in it. They put the four-wheel suspension in it. They put a 10-speed transmission in it. I mean, they've got this thing all jazzed up. They fix this prototype. They take it to the desert, run it 100 miles an hour in four-wheel drive. That thing is a beast. They crawl on rocks. It's a beast. They take it down to the, to the swamps, and it runs through the swamps. It's one of the greatest four-wheel vehicles they got. It's called the Raptor. It's an F-150. They had a prototype, and it was wonderful. And guess what they did in 2000? 
2010 once they got the prototype and put it through all the tests and tried to tear it up and yet it came through. Guess what they did in 2010? They had a production. Back up a little bit. Put your thing cap on. Jesus Christ is our prototype. He's the one that came that God put on this earth. He's the one that was born like a woman. He's the one that lived a life like we've got to live. He's the one who's under the same pressure as we are. He's the one that was tempted in all ways like we are. He was put through the test and the trials, and he came out victorious. And God said, I will use that prototype to make the production line. Excuse me just a minute, y'all, but if the prototype is Jesus, you are the image of Christ on the earth because you're made after Him. This is why we sing these songs about we, we, when we shout out the words or miracles happen and we say, well, I'm singing it, but it ain't happening. We need to start believing the Word of God. We need to start seeing what the Bible says about us, who we are. Amen. You're made after the prototype Jesus. You're not made after the prototype religion or church or Baptist or assembly of God or independent. You're not made after Episcopalian. You're made after Jesus. Amen. Make sense to y'all? Y'all ready to go yet? Give me three more minutes. How many give me ten minutes? Raise your hand and give me ten minutes. Ten, twenty, thirty, forty. <laughs> okay, so... Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 amplified. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 amplified. I know you got a lot of word today, but y'all, y'all got to get this. But God being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. Alive together with Christ. For by His grace, His undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. And He raised us up. Watch this. He raised us up together with Him, with Jesus, when we believed. When did you get raised from the dead? When you believed. You you mean I was dead and got born again? I came alive? When you believed, you were dead and you became alive. God saw you dead. And when you believed, He gave you resurrection life that has already happened in the prototype for you. Thank you. One amen is good. So let's, 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 let's follow this. He made us spiritually alive together in Christ, for by His grace, His undeserved favor and mercy, you've been saved from God's judgment, and He raises up together with Him when we believed, and seated us with Him, with Jesus, in heavenly places, because we are in Christ Jesus. Paul emphasizes in Christ, in Christ, by Christ, for Christ, through Christ. It's all through the Bible, and we don't identify ourselves with Him. We identify ourselves with, I'm better than them. It's not about you being better than somebody else. It's about you being like Him. Amen. I don't base what I do on what I say on what you do and what you say. Well, look what they get to do. They can do what they want to do. I've got to identify myself with Christ. What's He doing? What's His position? Amen. Does that make sense to anybody but me? I know I'm old, and, I, and maybe it's easier for me to see this. I don't know. Maybe I'm old and about to die and I need it. I don't know. But my fight is not from weakness. 
We sang it again this morning. The Bible says you're in heavenly places. If you've got to fight a temptation or a trial, you don't fight it from the ground. You don't fight it from here. You fight it from heaven because you're in heavenly places. Say, I'm in heavenly places. Say, I'm in heavenly places. Say, when I'm tempted, come on, you help me. Come on. I'm not going to hurt you. Move your lips a little bit. Say, when I'm tempted, I don't fight from the ground. And I don't fight fair. Say, I fight from heaven. Okay, do you see? I'm in heavenly places. My fight against that temptation is not down here saying, oh, I just can't do it, I can't do it. I'm a, I've been doing this for the last 40 years. I just can't do it. No, it's fighting from up here. I am in Christ Jesus. I am not going to be bound by sin bondage in the name of the Lord Jesus. I've been set free. I mean, I fight from here, not down here. Does that make sense to anybody yet? Listen, you need to read the book of Romans chapter 6. It would be a good place to start, but just read it all. But listen to this. This is Romans 6, 6, New Living Translation. It says this. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Listen to what it says. We know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. I'm going to stop right here and say something. If your old man is crucified with Christ, why are you still acting like your old man? Well, a preacher told me that we're all going to sin. Well, great. You just do that. You plan your life around sin. Or you plan your life around redemption. Yeah, but it's impossible not to sin. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you about that. What I'm going to tell you is, if I've got sin in my life, then I've got a redeemer. that's already identified my victory over that sin. I don't stay in that sin because I have a sin and I've got a habit. I have to move on. I have to know that I've been redeemed by Christ Jesus. I am set free from the law of sin and death. Amen? So listen to what it says. We know that our old sinful natures were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Why? Because we were crucified with Christ. There's your preposition. Listen to Carpenter's translation of this. I love this. The old man, the unregenerate man, who seemed so vigorous and healthy, died. The old man. That's who we talk about. Our habits, our problems, our issues. Listen to what he says. The old man, the unregenerate man, who seemed so vigorous and healthy, died. It had to be. He was a sinful fellow. It was, a, it was unless useless to try to persuade him to become a little better or a shade or two less sinful. Doesn't that sound about like religion? If we can just get you a little less sinful. What if we got you redeemed? Huh? What about instead of a little less sinful... And, and a shade or two less sinful, uh, maybe, maybe we could just let that guy die. Listen, he had this man that we couldn't get better, had to be exterminated. The root of his being was corrupt. Reichert's translation says, an executed criminal can perform no further crimes. Say, I died in Christ. Okay, if you died in Christ and a criminal dies, he can't commit more crimes. There's got to come a... Oh, y'all see? Amen. You need amen right there. There needs to come a time we make up our mind, I don't have to live like that. Amen. That guy died. An executed criminal can perform no further crimes. Therefore, by analogy, our former evil identity has been executed. I identify myself with Christ. I'm dropping my anchor in the identification process that I'm identified with Him. I'm identical with him in death, burial, and resurrection. If you, if you identify with him. So 
what my job was today, and our praise team can come up. Here's my job today. How many have ever seen a chicken hauler? The big trucks that haul chickens. How many have ever been behind one of them on the road? Terrible. Oh, if you're a chicken farmer, I'm good. No offense. There's a guy that had a, drove a chicken truck, and they would load these crates with these chickens. And he said they would tie the legs of those chickens. They'd band those legs of those chickens, throw them three or four, five of them, six of them in a crate, and then they would haul them off. And then when they'd get to where they were going, he said his favorite part, his favorite part was when they opened up the crates and threw the chickens on the ground and they cut their legs loose. His favorite part was slapping the chicken. Because a chicken's not a smart bird. Many of them would do what? How many of y'all know what they would do if they had their legs tied together and laid on the ground and you cut the, the wrapping off their legs? Anybody know what they'd do? Many of them still lay in there. They're free, but they don't know they are. They're victorious over the bands, but they can't see it. So he loved his job. He said, my favorite part was slapping them. Because when I'd slap them, they'd jump up and start flying and moving around. My responsibility today in preaching was just slapping you. My job was fun. Just slap you. Because you are free in Jesus' name. You are not bound. Your identity is not by the U.S. government. Your identity is by the kingdom of God. I can hold this up at a border and say I am who this says I am. But baby, I can hold this up in the kingdom of God and say this is who I am. This says who I am and identify. My identity is in here. If we would not play church, make up our mind the word of God is real, and then identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, our lives would change. I'm going to read one scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But the one who is united and joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I'm not him. I'm not him. I'm not Jesus. He's my representative. But he came in to my life. He dwells in my spirit man. I clothe myself in him. You died in Adam. When Adam before the fall, the spirit man ruled. The mind, will, and emotions had middle ground and the body had the bottom. The body did what the mind, will, and emotions told it to do under the tutelage of the spirit man. When Adam fell, your spirit man became ineffective and dead. So we're ruled now by our mind, will, and our emotions and the desires of our flesh until you're born again. So all this time, 
You've been ruled by your mind, will, and emotions and the desires of your flesh. But when you come to Christ and you identify with Him, Jesus, I identify that you are my Savior. You died for me. You rose again for me. You were crucified for me. Everything you did was for me. And I accept that and you as my Savior. He identifies us. God sees us in Christ on the cross, sees us in Christ in the tomb, sees us in Christ in the quickening, sees us in Christ in the resurrection, sees us in Christ in heavenly places, and we ain't even in heaven yet. But God's eternal and sees us so. When I accept Him, my spirit man puts on Christ. He was dead and ruled by mind, will, and emotions and body. But when my spirit man was born again, listen to me, y'all. When Paul called them babies and needing the milk of the word, it wasn't because their spirit man was not powerful. It was because their mind, will, and emotion was still ruling their lives. And he said, that's what's got to change. How do you change? The Bible says by the renewing of your mind, by the washing of the word of God. The renewing of your mind. Why do you need your mind renewed? Because your mind is not in charge anymore, baby. Your spirit man should be on the throne of your heart. Your mind, will, and emotions, middle ground, and your body and senses and desires are third. Does that make sense to anybody? You do that when you identify with Christ. Let's stand, would you? So... That is an old picture. Well, this picture is in a newer passport. But in the country we lived in, every year in Colombia, they made us get a Colombian visa. So they took another picture of us. So when we're driving along the highways in Colombia, and una policía nos paran. And a policeman stops us when we're on the road or we go to a military check stop. They'll say, who are you? And I'd tell them that I'm Michael Wright. And they'd say, prove it. And I'd say, I'm him. They would take this and look at it and look at me and look at this. And they would say, this is your identity. You are who this says you are. Not who I said I was, but who this says I am. And give it back to me. This morning as a believer, the devil's going to say, who do you think you are anyway? Born again. Listen how you talk. You born again. Look what you just did. You born again. Look what you just thought. You born again. I know we're not perfect. But my identification is not in what the devil says it's in. I have to go back to this and hold it up and say, this right here, this is who I am right here. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror. And you, my old enemy, are under my feet by my victory in Christ Jesus. He's given me power and authority over you and over this situation. I don't have to be in worry and dread and sin and failure. This is who I am. So I'm going to give you a challenge this morning. If you say, boy, I want to start identifying myself. I'm going to, I'm going to find those in hymns 
and in whom I'm going to find those in Christ. I'm going to find those by whom, by Him, by Christ. Through Him, through whom, through Christ. I'm going to find those verses and I'm going to start identifying myself. I'm going to be a believer, but I'm going to identify myself with the Word of God. Amen? Amen? I'm going to identify myself by the Word of God. If that's you this morning, you say, oh, okay, I'm not born again. I'm not born again. And I want to be born again. I want God, I want to understand a little bit better how God has already paid the price for me in Christ and He represented me and the truth is all of my nastiness was on Him and He died and rose for me and God and God put me in Him all those years ago because if one dies for all then all of us have the same privilege. But there's one who is united and joined with the Lord and is one spirit with him. So you want to be born again. The idea is, do you want to be identified with Jesus? Do you want to be identified with Jesus? If you're here this morning and say, I'm not born again, I'm not serving God. But you know, I would like to be identified with Christ today. If he died for me, I want to identify with that representative. If that one to speak for me and do for me, if I can identify with him, that's what I want to do today. I want to be born again. I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I want him I want him to come into my life. I want to be born again. I want to be refathered today. If that's you this morning, then I want you to pray in just a moment with me. If you're here this morning, you say, I am born again, but I, I'm not identifying myself like I need to with Christ and the Word of God, then today's going to be our day for a checkup. Today's our day for someone to slap us and us to jump up and say, hey, I'm not laying down like this anymore. I have an identification. My identification is in Him. Amen? Who He is is who I am. I'm identified here. Does that make sense to you? How many of y'all would like to be identified with Christ? Just raise your hand. You just like that. I mean, it just sounds right. Doesn't it, doesn't it just sound right? I want to pray for you. Close your eyes. Just kind of get yourself by yourself for a moment. It's not super spiritual, but it is a place of maybe solitude for a moment. I want you to pray a prayer with me today. Say something like this. Say, I thank you, Father, that you see me in the x-ray, in the MRI, and not just the photo. You know my inside. And I'm asking now that you help me to begin to identify who I am by Christ Jesus. Who I am by the Word of God. Who I am by the prepositions of the gospel of redemption through Jesus Christ. Forgive me today for failures and shortcomings. And receive me today in Christ Jesus as a son of the living God. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love